डियर लिस्नर्स साईराम वेलकम टू अवर रेडियो सीरीज आफ्टरनून सत्संग दिस इज अ डिस्कशन बिटवीन रेडियो साईज प्रेम एंड अरविंद ऑन डिफरेंट स्पिरिचुअल टॉपिक्स एवरी थर्सडे ऑन एशिया स्ट्रीम ऑफ रेडियो साई ग्लोबल हार्मनी यू कैन एन्जॉय दिस लाइव कॉन्वर्सेशन इट्स फ्रॉम ट्वेल्व थर्टी पी एम टू टू पी एम इंडियन स्टैंडर्ड टाइम Today's episode was first featured as part of First Day Live on August 8th, 2013. Sairam dear listeners, you're tuned in to Radio Sai Global Harmony, Bhagwan's own radio channel, and you're listening to the afternoon satsang segment of the Thursday Live. and as always i am arvind from team radio sai and joining me is prem from team radio sai for another session of afternoon satsang today we will be taking up what we left quarter way what we started off last week last week we started off with a discussion on the four pillars that is the four basic human values upon which all the other human values rest or derive their meaning from and these four pillars are satya dharma shanti and prema and last week was all about satya this week we shall take up the other pillar another magnificent edifice dharma sairam prem and welcome to this wonderful afternoon satsang sairam arvind wonderful indeed but the topic which you taken <laughs> is a quite a sticky path nonetheless it is a challenging one prem and you know any time whenever people ask or whenever i have to speak about dharma i get a lot of jitters you know <laughs> and not without reason i'll tell you something that had happened in our second year post graduation okay that was the year when in the summer vacations during the famous thrice sessions mm-hmm. swami spoke a lot about dharma that was also a period in time when swami was encouraging our students to put up many programs in his physical presence in the mandir okay. in fact these were the precursors for what has today become a regular program affair in the mandir you know people from all parts of the world all parts of the globe come and put up programs swami started off this programming schedule with programs by students by encouraging them to put up regular programs we knew that as soon as we come to parthi we had to put up a program mm-hmm. and we thought what better topic to take up than dharma because swami has spoken so much about dharma it appears as if swami is in the dharma mode mm-hmm. you know and you feel that when swami is in one mode If you speak about the same mode, it's nice. Swami will resonate with you and appreciate you more. You will have a good response from Swami also. Yeah, yeah, and that's what what matters. We want to please Swami, so we thought it's a great idea to do a program on dharma. But you know, none of us knew what is this dharma, and all of us had our own ideas of dharma, misconceptions about dharma. So we thought the best thing to do would be to read Dharma Vahini. And you know, well, we know food gives nutrition, but if you stuff in a month's worth of food within a day, you're going to have severe indigestion. that's exactly what happened with all of us who were part of that program four or five of us who read through the dharma vahini at whirlwind speed and tried to assimilate so many concepts there it definitely was indigestion and it was seen on the faces of everybody in the audience you know that day i remember even as i was speaking my heart was palpitating because i felt that i was not making sense and what i am saying i am actually contradicting what the other person said and the person speaking after me is contradicting what i said it was a total mess up and there were no applauses on that day <laughs> we were also tensed and at the end of it we had no doubts that 
the program the whole thing was an utter flop because if at all it added anything to the evening it just added confusion and verbosity <laughs> we were feeling so miserable and hopeless immediately as soon as the last person concluded speaking we just rushed to swami because we know that in times of danger his lotus feet is the only succor and we went to swami and we said swami we don't know anything about dharma swami please forgive us whatever we read whatever came to the mind we just spoke swami did not say anything he turned and he called for the vice chancellor at this time you know we became even more tense we were thinking swami if we have not done a good job you please call us please don't bring in a third party you know don't bring in somebody else between and he called vice chancellor sir and he told him you know these boys they wanted to speak on dharma and then we thought now it's going to come and swami said the way they have spoken if everybody understands at least part of it it will be great you know that was true <laughs> the way we had spoken <laughs> only part of it made sense <laughs> yeah that's what nothing made sense that's why if people understand even a part of it it's great but the way and the tone in which swami put it it was totally in kind of admiration you know mm-hmm. swami said they have spoken such profound truths part of it also if people understand no it will be great and swami commended and as if that was not enough means the vice chancellor was now floored because swami is very happy with the presentation if swami is giving his stamp of approval what more is needed he made a public display of his approval too by waving his palm and materializing vibhuti that was the first time we got applause you know <laughs> everybody started clapping swami gave vibhuti and even applied vibhuti to some of the boys and then said very happy and sent us back after that when swami had left you know all of us got accolades they came and said wow what a program you did what fantastic it was what insights <laughs> we knew what was the reason for all that accolades so coming back to dharma whenever i have to speak about dharma or discuss dharma i always have the trepidation because i remember this but along with the trepidation also comes this kind of assurance that as long as we do our best efforts there is god to take care and well premi you don't need any introduction to that we have seen how so many times in the satsang as we discuss swami communicates his presence is ever here and we begin this discussion or satsang about dharma placing our most grateful and humble pranams at his lotus feet just yes, when i join you in that and even as you say dharma the beauty of being associated with swami is as you said most of these words will have some memory attached to it in which swami plays the central role two aspects came to my mind even as you narrated that incident one is how swami comes to our rescue it used to be a pattern literally you know when somebody would speak many of my classmates that guy might be a very good speaker the day he is given his worst performance we would expect that swami would materialize something for him or swami would publicly applaud him in a discourse that follows because swami had to come and restore his honor literally <laughs> so we could literally predict after a bad speech that swami would give a good applause and the other thing you know talking of dharma and what comes to my mind is you're familiar you know each class would have its name when they come to their final year they would have a name and they would be referred to by that name and, and i remember it was a great discussion that would go right? on and you would have an emblem to go with that name Correct. and you would have a tagline to go with that name and the class would be united under that emblem and right. name so i remember when we were in finally in brindavan somebody had this idea that why not ask swami to give us a name wow so why not swami give a name which would inspire the group so oh, that's nice huh? so there was this one boy whom swami was talking to very regularly that time so we all kind of inspired him and you know, pumped him up to go and ask swami for this name mm-hmm. So when he had the opportunity moment when Swami was alone and Swami was asking him what next what next amy samacharam amy samacharam you know he explained this whole concept of a class name to Swami 
Okay, and Swami was listening to in all interest. Oh, okay. I think uh, Prem, we should take a little break here to explain to our listeners how mm-hmm. it used to happen in Brindavan. Mm. It would be such a grand opening. There's a day called the Freshers' Day. Right, right. That is the day when all the newcomers, that is the first-year undergraduate students, make a display of their skills, talents, and it's a beautiful concept altogether because we used to call it the homecoming. Where in colleges elsewhere. the parents are so scared when their children join colleges because of the ragging the concept called on. ragging hmm. in our university we have something called the homecoming where the seniors welcome the youngsters junior most class as you have finally come home and Correct. we welcome you you know that itself is a very very warm uh, concept in the hostel correct and therefore that special day is dedicated to them called the freshers day where it is supposed to celebrate the induction of fresh blood fresh thoughts fresh ideas fresh students into the hostel and that is the day when all the new boys who have come will put up programs display their talents exactly and on that day morning the senior most students that is if we can call the oldest students of the hostel who would be leaving who would be the final year students will proclaim what their name is right for example our batch was called the aryans there was a batch called the samaritans this is batch called the peace pilgrims peace pilgrims so there were different names for different batches and each of the batches would take great pride in the way they would announce and right. reveal the and name and there will be so much of thought which goes into that i remember the batch which preceded us they called themselves the voyagers, voyagers. and they had a beautiful tagline you know they said following to lead oh that was their tagline wow <laughs> you know literally encapsulating what a true leader is what a true leader is you have to be a good disciple to be a good leader mm. to be a good guru So that's the concept of a class name where there would be a grand opening ceremony where the name is revealed to the rest of the hostel hmm. saying this is what you've chosen and there'll be a lot of speculation about that no this is the name this is the emblem and, and the secrecy <laughs> to maintain that oh my god right right the rest of the hostel will be trying to get a sneak preview because it's something great if you know the name before it's actually revealed and I'll tell you the jokes associated with the name which we got also okay so this was the scenario in which this boy was going to go and ask for me Mm. about the name you cannot just go and tell swami swami it's going to be an exciting thing we're going to have a name you have to even tell what are the positive things we have in mind with the idea of having a name so this boy told swami that swami we want a name which will inspire us we want a name which will enthuse us to stick to you we want a name like that okay and uh, he also put a right he said swami we would prefer an indian name oh okay because so till then, till then was... never know class names which were indian or sanskrit in origin Oh, voyagers, uh, peace pilgrims, are Samaritans. all Samaritans. They were all from Western origin. So we had made up our mind that it should be an Indian name. So this boy put all these things. He said, "Swami, it should be a name which inspires. It should be a name which takes us closer to you, and should be a name from Indian culture." You know, spontaneously, Swami said, "If you want a name from Indian culture, which can inspire idealism, there's only one word." Mm. And Swami says, "That is dharma." Wow. He said, "So if you want a name Indian origin which will inspire, then it's dharma." Oh, so that is how you became the order of dharma. Yeah, so we kind of derived our names from that saying that order of dharma or the torch bearers of dharma. But okay. the name which Swami gave was dharma because Swami very clearly said that is the only word which can actually inspire idealism. Wow. So dear listeners, that gives us a hint on what a magnificent, glorious and wonderful concept or power that is inherent in this word dharma. But as Swami says, you know there are so many misunderstandings of this word dharma. He says it even in Dharma Vahini. So, what do you think, Prem? What do you think actually dharma is? When we want to speak about dharma, I really went and did the definition or meaning of this word dharma. Or how has this word evolved? Where does it come from? Because as you know, every Sanskrit word hmm. is actually built on a root word. 
Correct. Just like how you have the ancient Latin and Greek words. There's always a root word which meaning evolves over time and you know that word comes to stand for a Yeah, for example, meaning. bhajan has right. a root word bhaj. Bhaj means right. to sing out. Right. So bhajan is derived from the root word bhaj. Rigveda, it comes from the word rich which means to praise. So okay. Rigveda is about praising the Lord. So every word So like that if you see dharma I don't know the exact root word but the meaning of the root word is that which sustains that which uh-huh. uplifts okay so dharma is actually that which promotes a collective good that is what actually dharma means it is something that sustains and brings harmony yes that which confers order and harmony okay that is dharma makes sense i mean you were the order of dharma so dharma brings order <laughs> and order of dharma you know when you were speaking about something that sustains and brings harmony I was reminded of a very similar concept that exists in all systems in the universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you take the human body for example. Okay. There is this concept called entropy. Entropy is defined as randomness. Right. And by default, every system in the universe tends towards maximum entropy. Right. Or maximum freedom. What do I mean by that? For example, if you pour water water will flow if you want to contain water in a particular place you have to spend energy build a dam build a wall means a lot of potential energy has to be created in order to stop the flow of water the natural tendency of water is to flow mm-hmm. in the same way if you take the human body to keep the heart beating to keep the kidneys filtering to keep all the systems alive and kicking you need a lot of energy and that energy is being generated and assimilated every moment of the day that's why every few hours we feel hungry because the food is digested it has been converted into energy and that energy has been utilized for various functions to maintain status quo we need that energy because if that energy is not there what results is death that is entropy goes up so death is considered as the ultimate entropy as far as the bodily life biological life is concerned so you see in all systems there is this concept of entropy and Entropy, as I said, stands for freedom and disorderliness. Mm-hmm. But for that system to survive, for the human body to survive, it needs the brain to work that way. It needs the heart to function this way. It needs the kidney to function this way. It cannot allow free rein to the heart, the kidney, the lungs, the liver. All have to work in a disciplined sort of manner. And therefore, in order to remove the disorder, you need energy. And this dharma can be compared to this energy, without which. a system goes into disarray and complete chaos so dharma for a society or dharma for a system can be thought as what is energy that is needed in a system to prevent entropy even if you look at many of the contraptions or devices which you have created it is based on this principle of harnessing the entropy energy like if hmm. you look at something like a chariot every horse if left alone would go its own way Correct. but the waywardness of the horse the horse's ability to move is harnessed in a way that it is brought together there is an orderliness where that movement is used for the chariot to move same thing in a magnet right each part of the magnet is pointing in different directions and the fields cancel out and it's just a magnetic material it's not a magnet when they are aligned and to align it what you need to do either electromagnetic <laughs> induction right. which requires energy the minute you apply energy they all get focused and then it becomes a magnet so i think that is what dharma is actually because that which brings some kind of orderliness in chaos hmm i think that is what is dharma basically it's a kind of a divine discipline right that has been put and that's why discipline is also put you know in our hostels how 
strict the discipline is and swami in fact says that medium of instruction is discipline right. in my college and there's a reason for it because dharma is so close to his heart discipline is close to his heart there is a strict regimen that has been established and in fact you know in praise of the hostel discipline i remember a teacher once narrating that swami had said that all a student has to do is just follow the hostel discipline <laughs> he need not do any other sadhana as long as he is a student if he follows the hostel discipline it's enough it will give him the benefit of all the sadhana because swami has himself established hostel discipline in such a manner the hostel routine i remember getting a mail from a person asking how is a typical hostel day routine you know because they want to inculcate in their children maybe i think this is an ideal time to just quickly recapitulate the routine in the hostel first of all it starts with prayer it starts with suprabhatam again in brindavan it varies with the winter and summer because during winters it's really cold and i think it gets postponed by about 15 20 minutes the whole schedule but otherwise i think around 5 15 the first bell is given 5:30 you're supposed to assemble for morning prayers the suprabhatam after your morning ablutions yeah so about 15 20 minutes before that the first bell is given and the beautiful thing is when that first bell is given some music starts playing some devotional music mm-hmm. kind of prepares you for that early morning mood mm-hmm. then you're given some time for ablutions and then you assemble 5:30 we start with 21 omkaras and suprabhatam and then we have about a few minutes of meditation where you know there's absolute silence if you want to contemplate then we have our morning ragi or tea which way you prefer and then after that you go out to the fields for your jogging games and exercises mm. so that's the way the day starts if you actually look at it you start with prayer then you start with activity where you wake yourself up literally and then there is breakfast for breakfast we have to go for the the classes, classes. the classes go on till lunch time around 11:45 or 12 is the lunch time have lunch again classes continue classes get over by 3 o'clock and then there is the mandir session that takes place right following the mandir session nowadays around 5:45 or 6 o'clock after the mandir gets over it is games again right after that there is dinner then after dinner there is about one and a half hours of study hours and that is the only period where you are actually given time dedicated for studying if you look at it in the students schedule that one and a half hours is the only one which is a scheduled studying time If you want to study any extra you'll have to squeeze in between all these activities which goes on that actually explains that spreading your day out with these various activities how much it helps in you performing well academically the results show it all the net really? the gate all these public exams where people from all spheres and all other institutes compete the students from the institute bring very good marks so it definitely vindicates this kind of discipline that swami has established right and believe me i mean you know it it's not easy to follow the discipline no wonder swami said that all you have to do is just follow the discipline swami has this way of putting it so easily speaking of which i'm reminded of one incident prem you know mm-hmm. maybe that will sum up this importance of how dharma is necessary to bring order and the emphasis that swami laid on discipline the person who narrated this he is currently holding a very high position in barclays capital mm-hmm. his name is mr pushkaraj gumaste and he narrated this incident he said that uh, when they were in college he and there were four other boys so they were called the famous five mm-hmm. why they were called the famous five well i'll tell this now then you can decide whether it's the famous five or the infamous, infamous five <laughs> so these five boys always would 
want to get as much proximity as possible to swami mm-hmm. and therefore even before the lines bell would ring you know there would be a bell for the lines to form and then move in a disciplined manner to the mandir right they would flout that and go before the lines to the mandir Mm-hmm. so that they get the front position to sit and when swami comes for darshan there in the front they have a nice darshan now they were doing it so stealthily without anybody getting to know but all the boys who would come to the mandir in the front of the lines they would be disappointed because by the time they come some of the best places are already occupied and at least five of the students lose the chance to sit in front because these five have scammed and come in the front the boys definitely were disappointed but what could they do these were very senior boys one day swami came earlier than usual for darshan Mm-hmm. So when he came for his darshan rounds there was nobody sitting in the portico other than these five boys because the lines had not yet arrived from the hostel and swami saw these five boys and asked them hey, what are you doing here so they had nothing to reply but just give sheepish smiles then swami said i know what you have done i am going to complain to the warden and i'll put you in trouble <laughs> swami said like this and see just the way you smiled they also smiled they also thought you know swami is just joking Swami went into the interview room soon all the students came and the mandir was full again with the students Swami came out for a second round of darshan and as he completed that round he stood in the portico and one by one picked up these five boys you 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 leather like and you know as he picked them up his face became very serious and said these boys are indisciplined immediately everywhere in the portico you know there was a kind of celebration all the school children the primary school children who all had lost their chances of sitting in front because of these five scamming every day they were all very thrilled that's good swami is taking them to task they were so happy and swami said you five of you he called the warden and he said how come when i came the only these boys were there mm-hmm. how are they coming why are they not coming in lines why don't they follow discipline and as swami was saying that pushkaraj gumaste in his heart he's telling swami you know we are coming just for your sake this is not flouting of rules it's about wanting to be with you So Swami just said to the warden that you have to personally ensure that these boys stick to discipline they should not come before uh, having said that Swami went back into the interview room mm-hmm. and after some time opened the door and imagine now he calls out again for these five boys calls them for an interview and these five go in and then Swami chuckles and says I told you right I'll get you into trouble see I got you into trouble <laughs> so cute Swami says this and then suddenly you know Swami's demeanor changes he becomes serious and he says now if you have got love for Swami come in the front and show you know he threw it like a challenge to them if you say you love swami now you come in the front and show mm-hmm. we have often heard of this <laughs> great romance stories where a challenge is thrown to the lover to yeah, prove yeah. his love yeah. or prove her love here was swami asking them to prove their divine love that's what they felt but you know try as hard as they might they just could not manage because special eyes are now focused and trained on them they just are not able to scam they're not able to break the lines not able to break the rules because swami has only landed in that now how do they do it now this is where mr pushkaraj gave a very beautiful insight he said they were hell bent very determined on coming early but how could they do it what one of the boys did is he joined the sick boys transportation department you know those who have a leg injury and all this people are there who ferry them to the mandir on right. the cycle another boy joined a department which would get provision stores and other bakery items from the mandir stores to the hostel okay so all of them took up different duties like this in which they are serving the hostel mm-hmm. they started going out of their way to improve the life in the hostel now for example the boy who is dropping the sick boy to the mandir he starts off early because the boy has to be seated on the cycle and has to be helped he is legally permitted to start before the lines and come and the day he comes he also gets the chance to sit in the front and this time 
nobody tells anything because he is doing it legally it's his duty and the duty has given him the right and as mr pushkaraj concluded at the end of it all five of them were getting exactly what they desired that is proximity to swami sitting in the front but now they were getting it within the framework of the rules because of which they were happy swami is happy all the other students are also happy teachers are also happy students are happy because they are not flouting rules teachers are happy because these boys are doing so much service in the hostel and then he concluded by saying that people ask whether any means are justified if your ends are noble he says nobility percolates through the ends and means you cannot have a noble end if your means are not noble you cannot have noble means which will achieve a bad end both are either noble or both are either ignoble and through this he highlighted the fact that when things are done with discipline within the you know boundaries of the rules it's a win 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 situation and when you break this discipline break the rules it may appear to be a win in one angle but it's a lose lose in other angles so well you know though swami actually you think that should be the most happiest person for he has found a devotee who is ready to do anything for his love even he emphasized on this discipline on this dharma you know if we can call it dharma for the hostel that he had set up that rules to be followed and then achieve it within the framework of those rules that's the beauty of how swami has put it and that's what something which swami always tells even children hmm. the good will be rewarded the wrong will be punished hmm and that's how swami treated the students also you know he did reward that intention of coming close to swami but at the same time what was wrong will be corrected Mm. I think this is one of the things which was spoken of even when he spoke of karma good karma will never cancel out bad karma exactly this highlights what we started off as a definition for dharma dharma is like a set of rules that are made in order to ensure harmony and order in the society or the community that we live in and swami has always encouraged and fostered dharma in fact swami says that is why the avatars come also to establish dharma and that is what krishna says yada yada hi dharmasya glanir bhavati whenever there is a decline of dharma i come to establish it and swami clarifies that the dharma never declines whenever there is decline in the practice of dharma mm. the lord comes down to teach people and bring to their notice that they have actually stopped practicing dharma for their own good exactly and there is so much of discussion about dharma to go but maybe we'll just take a quick break here and we'll go into the details of dharma and you know how can we practically learn some things about this concept which is so dear to swami's heart yes dear listeners please remain tuned in for what is coming up is the misunderstanding of dharma and how swami clarifies and gives some really beautiful hints and powerful insights into the nature and character of dharma
listeners we are talking about a very interesting and at the same time very difficult to talk about topic and swami has written a complete book on this concept of dharma and dear listeners if at all we managed to inspire you about this concept of dharma what we would suggest to you is go and read this wonderful book dharma vaini which swami has written i am sure that every doubt has a solution in this book which swami has written exactly and it's written so lucidly and so clearly but at the same time because dharma is such a very complex concept it is so happened and that has been our experience to dear listeners that when we read that part becomes so clear but as we read on ahead integrating them becomes so difficult and that is what swami always used to say as mananam and nididhyasam that right. has to follow you know shravanam or reading input is one thing at that moment it becomes clear but later on when we try to integrate and see the whole thing in one big picture it gets quite confusing for which we need prayer and attunement into swami which again he himself provides based on our efforts right. so we can do our efforts and swami will definitely give the fruit just like it happened in the dharma program <laughs> <laughs> dharma is all about efforts hmm. because as we go into this discussion we will understand that it is so difficult to actually point and say that this is the right action this is the right course to take it all depends on how much sincere is the effort which even the effort of discriminating that goes into the action itself which is important and that is because this concept of dharma changes with people and changes mm. with the stage of life one is going through also mm. because as swami would say as an infant you have certain rights when you become a school going boy you know the rights which you have and the responsibilities which you have are different when you become a teenager or a person who is going to college your rights and responsibilities are different but in olden days they used to call this the life was divided into four major stages brahmacharya ashram brahmacharya ashram and then the grihastha ashram the vanaprastha ashram and the 
that is the ultimate meaning right but in the practical way what would happen is this was the stage when the students had to concentrate only on educare right that is the true higher education so the children would be sent to a gurukula and you know prem i was listening to this discourse during the 50th birthday when swami described how the word school came in mm-hmm. you know we are talking about gurukula gurukula would also be called as rishikula at that time right. because a rishi would be the guru a sage would be the guru so swami says in rishikula people found it difficult to pronounce so they dropped the r and they began to call it as ishikula mm-hmm. and ishikula became ishkul <laughs> and swami says ishkul has today become school okay <laughs> so you know swami says the modern english word school is derived from rishikula which is nothing but gurukula of the mm-hmm. olden times gurukula and rishikula were the schools of the olden days mm-hmm. where all the children irrespective of whether you are a child of a potter of a king or of a businessman everybody would go and live as equals you know with the same clothing and the same food under the same roof with a sage or a guru and they would be taught true education which swami says is to know the purpose of one's life that is the way the life is divided also Hmm. So Swami says that is the time when you learn the theories, even the theory of oneness of everything. The knowledge of Brahman is given to you as a theory, but it is when you go to the Grihastha Ashram, when you get involved in the society, that's when keeping this knowledge as your repository of wisdom, you carry out your actions in society. So that, dear listeners, is the second stage. That is Grihastha Ashram, where a person comes back and becomes a part of the society. So now you have your rights. you have your responsibilities you get married you have children you have to take care of family you have to help the society all this takes place in the grihastha ashram where you put into practice all that you have learnt as theory in the brahmacharya ashram following which comes the third which is the vanaprastha ashram right in those days what would happen is people would give up their family life society everything once they turn say 60 or 70 once they turn into senior citizens on their own they go off into the forest to spend the last few years of their life in contemplation of the lord so they would start retiring to the forest and live together you know all these people would live together in the forest but you know in modern day it's not possible because the forests have been wiped out so badly so swami also gives a solution for that he says hands in the society heads in the forest yeah the idea of vanaprastha ashram if you look at it mm-hmm. is that you have discharged your duties to the society mm-hmm. and now you have to concentrate on the goal of life correct that is the idea and you can actually see it many of swami's devotees if you see it after a certain stage in life they reduce their consumption of even food i've seen many people they stop eating dinner and they consciously spend all the energies in spiritual pursuits when so you said this prem i remember brother amay right he was speaking about his grandfather mm-hmm. he said that one day after retirement his grandfather started a very strict regimen you know mm-hmm. every night he will have two chapatis for okay. dinner mm-hmm. as an example nothing else that's all so that was to be his regimen and once he turned 70 60 to 70 
he says one day he comes and tells his wife i think this became too much let me have one and a half chapatis it's enough two is too much and so in one moment he decided and from then on it was only one and a half chapatis because that is all that is needed to sustain me means as you said this would be the stage where they would consciously cut away the society so that they can concentrate on the goal of achieving their right. human life and then of course the last stage as swami says is the sanyas ashram where you completely depend only on the lord give up all your dependence on the society and the people around you your relationships your attachments everything and you one pointedly look at brahman whenever swami describes these four stages of life swami says now grihastashram starts very well into the brahmacharya ashram yeah teenagers go out on dates right and grihastashram never ends exactly <laughs> it goes on you know till you retire then you have already made your retirement plans mm-hmm. and how to enjoy life post retirement exactly and the idea of thinking of god never comes in and swami says that is why the whole society is haywire chaotic you know it is because of the expansion of grihastashram both ways both ways <laughs> <laughs> dear listeners i'm sure all of us can appreciate how not sticking to this ashrama dharma i mean it can be suitably modified according to the times but the basic fundamental remains the same and how violating it has resulted in such a chaotic society right that again echoes the idea of dharma dharma is that which has been put in place to give optimal utilization of anything if you're talking about society mm-hmm. how to optimally utilize that society structure so you need a code of conduct for that society and that is dharma if you look at the human life what is the best way to optimally utilize this human life so you need a dharma for that so again you break it down to each stage of your life each stage requires a dharma and that is what is ashrama dharma as you said what is there for brahmacharya what is there for grihastashram what is there for vanaprastashram and what is there for sanyasashram and well prem dharma is also you know sometimes misunderstood as the caste system because right. they say he is belongs to a different dharma this is different dharma actually if you see again this is a contortion of what was truly there the varna dharma or the dharma of castes was brought in to symbolize mainly the professional dharma that you are supposed to embody right because during those times where there was not so much of specialization for example here among doctors we have further specialists even in the eye you have got further specialization so each organ specialist in each organ each tissue specialist that kind of specialization was not there in those days they broadly divided professions into four brahmana the which is engaged in, the in class learning and research yes kshatriya the class which protects the society safeguard society vaishya who carry out trade and commerce the and shudras class. who help in maintenance right so that is another dharma and for each of them there is a kind of dharma that rules that they are supposed to follow uh, well today the caste system has been distorted out of proportion and the problem is it has been so misunderstood because mm. the very idea of the caste system was for a functional betterment of the society exactly it was not at all meant for discrimination correct but i think somewhere where this idea of discrimination creeped in i think it spoiled the balance of the whole system but you know it was again not based on birth i think we have made this statement many times before because mm. we have so many examples in indian culture in indian history where somebody born in a lower class raises himself to the level of a brahmin now even this term lower class lower caste why it has come is because of the description given in the vedas right you know it says brahmanosya mukhamasit bahurajanya krita urutadasya yadvaishya padbhyagum shudro ajayata which is taken from the purusha suktam which says brahmanas are the head the kshatriyas are the shoulders the vaishyas are the stomach and the shudras are the legs 
now again this classification was meant as a functional classification right. that is learning is in the head protection is done by the shoulders and hands economy and commerce which sustain the economy is done by the stomach which distributes food to all parts of the body and society moves ahead because of the labors of the legs which is the maintenance the roads have to be maintained buildings have to be maintained everything clothes that you make everything has to be maintained but now because the shudras or maintenance profession has been equated to the leg they are called lower caste because the leg is lower and the head is brown so it is called as the higher caste because it's head but again this is pulling the analogy or simile too far <laughs> but even if you look at it in this analogy a man standing you say the head is higher the feet is lower if you look at it at birth and after death mm. the body is laid on the ground where all these are in the same level exactly so before birth and after death the divisions which we create and say lower upper it's all in the same level and exactly. it is in the short time which we call life it is when we see this upper higher middle lower and, and it is done things. for ease of working right i mean try walking on your head and i mean <laughs> using your legs for eating you just cannot so for the convenience and for functional purposes it is done so this is one more thing we should keep in mind that dharma is not just casteism and casteism actually in its original form is purely meant functionally right and you know the beautiful thing was that some people who have researched on this caste system and especially the manusmriti which is supposed to be the scripture which has given this kind of system they say that even when the system was created they believed that this can be modified to suit the current situation or the current scenario of the society and that is what has been we have evolved Ex- from that system definitely prem we have evolved and we have a kind of caste system for example we have all the drivers the auto rickshaw drivers bus drivers and taxi drivers they are one class they have a trade union even among them they further divide the auto drivers have their own <laughs> the taxi drivers have their own the bus drivers have their own in the same way we have unions if you take for example canara bank there is a canara bank retired officers association so all these groups are being formed based on their profession functionally right and nobody criticizes that this was exactly the same and as i said at that time there was not such specialization therefore there were four broad categories now the same thing has been replaced by a system where we have 1780 categories maybe looking at it we say that there is that misconception of untouchability in the shudra the lower class but actually if you look at it the kind of rules which are laid for brahmins i don't think anybody is actually following it because one of the main rules is that section of the society which concentrates only on learning and it doesn't even try to earn its food exactly no, that is the definition because the society is supposed to take care of that class that is the idea of them coming to the house of the grahasthas and begging hmm because you are not supposed to earn your living you are supposed to be taken care of correct by the kshatriyas and the vaishyas ha uh-huh. But you know, if you look at the whole way, we want to retain the superiority of the class without sticking to the dharma of that class. Exactly. So we have brahmanas who are indulging in business. <laughs> yeah. So once you indulge in business, you are no longer a brahmana. You are a vaishya. And if a vaishya is on the quest of learning, and by learning here, dear listeners, we are not referring to textual learning. Textual learning is a part of the learning that we are referring to. We are talking of higher learning, which Swami says is atma vidya. And if there is a vaishya or a shudra who is interested in atma vidya because of that itself he becomes a brahman and that it, is what has happened because if you look at sage vishwamitra hmm. he was actually king kaushika he was a kshatriya correct who took to the path of learning and became brahmarishi vishwamitra 
Veda Vyasa is such a phenomenal sage, you know. He realized that the Vedas might be totally lost. He was the one who actually divided right. the single Veda into the four Vedas, four Vedas. that is Rig, Yajur, Sama, Atharvana. And he wrote commentaries on each of them. He came up with the Puranas so that the essence of the Vedas can come through stories so that people can appreciate. He was the one who composed the Mahabharata. And the Mahabharata is called the Panchama Veda or the fifth Veda because he ensured that principles from all the four Vedas get highlighted in this story of Mahabharata as he saw it live and wrote it down. He has done a lot of work and if at all the title of the foremost among Brahmanas it is most apt for Veda Vyasa. But Veda Vyasa was born a he was born to a fisherwoman. <laughs> exactly, which is supposed to be a shudra. So do we call him as a shudra? No, he is a brahmana. So it is your profession and your tendencies that determine your dharma. That has always been the case. If you look at Rama and Krishna, they were not brahmins. Exactly. They were born in the kshatriya class and the Bhagavad Gita came from if you go by that one who was born a Kshatriya. <laughs> Otherwise, it's supposed to be the core competency of right. a Brahmana. And if you look at it that way, the whole Vahini series has come from Satyanarayana Raju who was born a Kshatriya. Kshatriya. <laughs> <laughs> so that is where the limitation of what we call as Ashrama Dharma is. The profession that you take to, that actually defines which Dharma you will fall under and that defines the code of conduct which will define the way you live. Exactly. And this similar kind of misunderstanding that has taken place with respect to caste Swami says in the Dharma Vaini that this misunderstanding is also there where people think Dharma means religion. Right. He Baudha Dharma Vadu. He is of the Buddhist Dharma. He is of the Islam Dharma. So, Dharma Dharma all means religions. all religions. Yes, Dharma means religion too. But Dharma is not just religion. Right. In fact, you know, even if you look at the idea of how religion has come to be known as Dharma, it again goes back to that same definition which we gave of Dharma, which is an understood and accepted code of conduct for the better living of that community. For harmony in the community and in society. In that community. If you hmm. look at it, every religion has actually come up like that. Okay. If you look at the religion of Islam, hmm. you know, it was born in Arabia, where they were all tribal nomadic units. So all the Dharma which comes under the Islamic religion, were those to suit that kind of a living. Be it the polygamous, the rules which were there in the society or the rules of how a son becomes a successor, how the wealth is being distributed. All these things which are given as part of the Islamic dharma are to suit that society. For the betterment of that society. Right. Because during those times, the men to women ratio, as you say, was very skewed right. in favor of the men. And therefore... Those units or the nomads that stayed in the deserts, if they had to protect themselves and stay secure, it was necessary that they have large numbers. Safety was always in numbers. And therefore, we can see the Islamic rules or the dharma tend towards helping an increase in the population. Right. And the same thing, even if you look at how Moses comes and how Judaism grows. If you look at it, that was a time when people were getting true engrossed into idol worship. Hmm. So he had to come with that dharma, with his religion, which absolutely shunned idol worship. Same thing with Buddhism. Right. You know, the Hindus in India were so much into idolatry. And this caste system. And, and this caste system. And dharma had got misinterpreted. You know, like everything in the world, something that comes new, turns beneficial for society, in due course of time, that itself becomes bad. And everything, I think, goes through this cycle. And once the society realizes that it is bad, they are able to take that and use it only for the good. Right. It happened with nuclear energy. When it was discovered, it felt it would be the greatest. It proliferated, it grew, it finally grew into an atomic bomb. 
after which there was mass terrible destruction it turned out to be the most evil invention of all times the atom bomb it is after that after society realizes after the collective consciousness realized how bad it is that same thing is now being selectively used in a good manner right and the same thing apparently seems to be happening with dharma as well what dharma was brought out with a purpose it is changed it is squashed and it had gone bad and that's why when gautam buddha came he had to speak against in fact it is recorded as gautam buddha was against the vedas in many discourses on guru purnima day and buddha purnima day swami has emphatically stated that gautam buddha had the greatest regard for the vedas but he had to speak that way because vedas in the way they were being taken that time were not actually the vedas it was a convenient philosophy and a misrepresentation of the vedas and in the name of vedas atrocities were being committed and therefore the buddha condemned the vedas at that time and that is how buddhism has come and buddhism does not support idolatry and you know that is what is said is the health of a society that society which is able to take you know the principles which were given to it in the initial stages and has the ability to evolve that very principles without changing the spirit of that rule or the code of conduct that is a very valid and a very noteworthy point that dharma it has to evolve with time and place desha kala paristhiti as swami would call it for example you know we spoke about pushkaraj gumaste and you know the other boys coming before lines that was the discipline i mean you're not allowed to come before lines to the mandir but you know now you see times have changed let us face it you me we would spend about 4 hours to 5 hours or 6 hours in the mandir every day now we don't spend that much time because yes something has changed i mean that physical form of the lord that was there it has changed the same thing affects the students as well it is just not possible to sit for 3 hours in the mandir now before even 4 hours was fine because swami is there so now you have nobody coming before the lines to mandir <laughs> in fact in some cases there are students who get delayed because you know they feel uh, they're not missing anything much they can come and have samadhi darshan 10 minutes later it's not like those days when you feel that if i come 10 minutes late i might miss something that swami did so before when they had to be very strict in enforcing the rule that nobody leaves to mandir before lines now there's nothing if any student leaves for mandir and comes before lines they're really not punished <laughs> yeah they're happy about it he won't be punished so you see the discipline and the rules they maintain it in the spirit the spirit is the discipline is ensured so that everybody gets equal chance nobody should feel left out because somebody flouted the rules now that is the spirit according to the time it has changed before it used to be ensure nobody goes before lines now ensure that nobody is left in hostel after the final bell is given everybody must leave and be in mandir by that time <laughs> so you see over time the discipline has changed so too it is with dharma swami says it changes with desha kala and paristhiti so here is an example where it has changed with, with time. times and if you look at circumstances that will complicate the issue so much because how much of the circumstance you know of hmm. becomes an important factor hmm. you know there's a very interesting incident which is there in the ramayana we all okay. know of that incident where the spy of rama goes and tells him about how a washman was talking to his wife about sita having lived in ravana's kingdom for 10 months hmm. and he kind of slightly talks about her so this spy has heard this he has to go and report this to rama Okay. Okay, that is the situation now. Before he goes to Rama, it seems uh-huh. he is intercepted by Hanuman. Okay. And this spy actually tells this whole thing to Hanuman. 
Mm. In the moment Hanuman hears this news, he says, "Do not go and tell this to Rama." He says, "No, that is not what I am supposed to do. My duty as a spy is to go and inform the king whatever I have heard." So Hanuman tells him that it is true. It is your dharma to go and report whatever you have heard. But knowing the nature of Rama, knowing how righteous he is as a king, and he rates his duty as a king higher than his duty towards his family, the action which he will take will be disastrous. Okay, and knowing the purity of sita you know that this news is not true even though it's been a gossip so it is in the best interest of this land that you filter this that you sway from your actual dharma so that the idea of dharma is actually maintained in fact you know the our scriptures also proclaim this they say nabruyat satyam apriyam that's what we discussed in the last satsang i mean if it's an unpleasant truth don't speak it at all it doesn't amount to speaking a lie so he didn't listen is it <laughs> and he didn't listen and that's when he goes and tells but this is what the thing is you know paristhiti paristhiti the circumstances in which you are doing that act and in fact i was just hearing a talk sometime back where there is something called an apad dharma oh okay the dharma which has to be followed in times of emergencies danger when somebody is going to be critically injured or harmed okay there the dharma completely changes <laughs> Oh okay. Apad dharma supersedes all other dharmas. All other dharma. As we said, you know, with desha kala paristhiti. Kala we saw an example, paristhiti we saw an example. Even desha, you see Swami has made the sarva dharma symbol. It has the five major religions. But for the west, Swami suitably modified the sarva dharma symbol and included the star of David. The star of David too, because that is needed for that desha. Means you may not have so many Jews living in India. So when the organization was formed in India, that was not needed Similarly, but similarly you know, even the bhajans which you sing the idea of singing bhajans is to please swami and obviously swami is happy when you sing nama sankirtan bhajans mm. but the same swami says that when you singing in a western country when you singing in germany when you singing in china you change your bhajans to suit that audience exactly because swami says the idea of bhajans is that you should think of god correct What's everybody the as a community what <laughs> right. is the point in singing when people don't understand right. for example in singapore in all the days of the week one day of the week is dedicated for chinese bhajans okay. because there is a large section of devotees who are comfortable with the chinese language and they also need have a need to express their love and devotion to swami and so therefore they have chinese bhajans but you will not hear one chinese bhajan in the whole year almost in prashant nilayam So you see, according to Desha, also dharma changes, which brings me Prem to a very important question. That is, you see, we have seen how one dharma supersedes the other. You gave the example of apad dharma. The fact of having multiple dharmas simultaneously. Yes. And also, you said, for example, Hanuman says that Rama will surely follow his dharma as a king over his dharma as a husband. or over his dharma as a family man right the question is how does he decide that dharma of the king is more important than dharma of a family man because at a single point in time now for example i follow the dharma of a grahastha and i follow the dharma of a husband at the same time i follow the dharma of a son but i am also following the dharma of an employee of this organization i have so many multiple dharmas what if these two dharmas are in conflict how do i decide which dharma to follow over the other i think that's where all the dilemmas come in the dharma sankat as it's called right the moral dilemmas or whatever and the beauty of the moral dilemma is it's never between black and white it's either between black and black or white and white and gray and gray yeah right i don't have a complete answer but i remember one beautiful thing which swami had told once you know hmm. when swami was addressing the students in thrai hmm. it was a very interesting situation it was just before boys were going for their summer vacation okay so swami was giving their summer vacation special instructions hmm. you know you should do this you should do that and some of the things which swami would always say is don't watch movies 
don't go back to your old friends that's one thing some you would say because some you would often equate the hostel to a garage so when you come here like cars which need repair and i give you servicing all the year long and i send you back and then again you come back after two months as a broken down as car as a broken again. down car again so these are all some instructions some used to give and that time you know some said a very interesting thing he said see now you go home because of the upbringing in the hostel you will behave in a certain way you will be very silent you will be silent you will be reserved you will be you know inward in your nature but your parents will not be able to accept it hmm. they'll tell why are you sitting like this why are you not doing anything they will get what? scared that swami has made our children into sanyasis <laughs> right <laughs> and, and you know they would tell you why don't you watch tv why don't you go out for a movie with your friends and you know here it's the why same thing why do you visit the neighbors right if you look at it one of the dharmas of a son is to be obedient to his parents and that is told at every convocation right. matr devo bhava pitru devo bhava right and here you are put in a situation where your mother and father are telling you some things which your training as swami student will not allow you to do hmm. right and swami so beautifully said see when your parents tell you something like this and you know that it is wrong and swami doesn't like it you should very politely tell them no mother this is not right swami mm-hmm. doesn't like it i shouldn't do it like this swami has told me like this mm-hmm. So here Swami is giving a beautiful thing of how you know what Swami tells you what you know from Swami advising you may be a higher wisdom than what your parents tell you because mm. they are not exposed to what you are exposed correct it is in fact dharmic for you to disobey your parents in such situations disobey in the sense there is one thing one is disobeying the other is how you do it how you do it so Swami always emphasizes on politely and sweetly explaining it and then doing the same right i think this gives us a hint on what we should do when two dharmas get pitted against each other see when it is swami versus parents it's easy but what do we do in day to day case where it is like my teacher versus my parents right or my wife versus my brother what do i do well swami again gives this but before giving this highlight of this discussion the final answer the way swami has revealed it in the dharma vahini i think we should take one quick break be there dear listeners and watch out for this exciting beautiful and touching climax of this discussion on dharma ki pyaas
Welcome back dear listeners and now we come to the finale or the exciting conclusion if I may call it so. If we read the Dharma Vahini we see a very profound statement that Swami makes there. Prem you know Swami says that when I speak of Dharma I am not speaking about Achara Dharma. The I'm Dharma sp- which is being practiced. Yes. Okay. All that we discussed till now. Be it Ashrama Dharma, Varna Dharma, Religion Dharma, Dharma as a father, Dharma as a husband. All the dharmas that we discussed till now come under Achara Dharma, which is dependent on the Desha, Kala and Parasiti, which changes and evolves according to the time, circumstance and, and space. space. That is which place you are in. But you know, Swami always says that Dharma is changeless. Dharma is eternal. And that Dharma, Swami calls, and this is the point, is Atma Dharma. Just like when we discussed Satya, we said that we often mistake honesty to be Satya. That is speaking honesty and speaking the facts to be Satya. But Satya is actually that which says that everything is one. The unity, the Advaitic concept, that is Satya. Honesty is a part of Satya. In the same way, all these Dharmas, Achara Dharmas are part of Dharma. But Dharma in the sense that Swami says he speaks in the Dharma Vahini is the Atma Dharma. And what is Atma Dharma? You get a hint about what is Atma Dharma from a synonym Swami uses for Atma Dharma. Swami also calls Atma Dharma as Satya Dharma. Okay. So, Dharma is equal to Atma Dharma is equal to Satya Dharma. And Satya Dharma or Atma Dharma from now on whenever we refer to Dharma, 
इट इज आत्मधर्म और सत्य धर्म एंड दट धर्म इज एक्टिंग और डूइंग थिंग्स डूइंग एक्शन हैविंग रूल्स विच आर बेस्ड ऑन द सत्य दैट वी डिस्कस्ड अबाउट लास्ट सत्संग एंड दट सत्य इज द अद्वैतिक ट्रूथ दट ऑल आर वन सो धर्म इज पुटिंग इन टू प्रैक्टिस सत्य एंड दैट इज वॉट इज ट्रूली धर्म फ्रॉम विच वी हैव डिराइव्ड देर फोर इफ आई एम एबल टू सी यूनिटी इन द होल क्रिएशन इफ ऑल आर वन देन इफ आई एम अ फादर ओके दीज आर द रूल्स दैट्स हाउ आचार धर्म कम्स एंड दैट्स वाई जस्ट एज निजम चेंजेस यू नो वी स्पोक अबाउट द फैक्ट चेंजिंग सो टू अकॉर्डिंगली द आचार धर्म चेंज विथ टाइम but the ultimate satya never changes that everyone is one in the same way dharma also never changes because dharma simply means action based on satya right and it's the beautiful thing which you said that dharma which is derived from that atma dharma is the local dharma or whatever dharma which you are following <laughs> little ones but for those who have not reached that state even to reach that state this is the path because as we described dharma is that which has been put in place for a larger good correct so the more you keep expanding this circle of your community you know from your family to your society from your society to your country from your country to the whole of humanity you are actually traveling towards that atma dharma that is what swami used to call as expansion love right. and he would exhort to everyone to inculcate this and you know again we have to bring in that disclaimer that just as in the case of satya one cannot say that satya means this ultimate truth where all are one it doesn't just refer to speaking the truth and therefore i will speak lies that is convenient philosophy honesty is very important you have to speak the truth in the same way just because now theoretically we know what dharma is we cannot brush aside the local dharmas or the achara dharmas that change with time space and circumstance we cannot brush them aside that is why the importance of being rooted in that conscience comes when swami says till we are able to reach that state of seeing the oneness we need to turn to somebody who is already there in the case of this tri session that you mentioned that right. was swami right that was swami but what about those who don't have that physical contact with swami swami says that your conscience yes. your antaratma is yes. the, this one and that is why it is so important and that is why spirituality always emphasizes on turning inward because and that contact to that inner source has to be made and this point i think you know about always being true to this atma dharma or satya dharma swami emphasizes by saying don't follow the body don't follow the mind follow the conscience it is almost like swami saying you cannot follow achara dharma in violation to atma dharma right if we see that messenger who went ahead that is what he did he thought it is dharma but swami asked can dharma ever guide you on to a wrong path can dharma ever destroy you no swami says dharma protects you then what happened in his case he went and ruined the kingdom he did something that was bad for the kingdom so therefore can it be said that that soldier or that spy is following his dharma no it's a misunderstanding of dharma there so therefore you know swami again beautifully explains this in dharma vahini dear listeners not that this is easy to practice but it is definitely easy to understand it intellectually and then we should put in effort to practice it swami says the atma dharma or the satya dharma that is action based on the ultimate truth satya that everyone everything is one is like the senior officer and the achara dharmas that we do is like the junior officer swami says any time the senior officer can overrule the junior officer and then swami says but it doesn't mean that the junior officer can be neglected the senior officer definitely needs the help of the junior officer to function 
एंड द जूनियर ऑफिसर हैज मीनिंग और पर्पज ओनली बिकॉज ऑफ द सीनियर ऑफिसर एंड स्वामी सेज इन द सेम वे आत्मधर्मा एंड आचार धर्मा द सत्य धर्मा एंड द लोकल धर्मा दैट वी आर टॉकिंग अबाउट आर इन एक्सट्रिकेबली इंटरट्वाइंड बोथ हैव टू बी इन अग्रीमेंट बिफोर यू गो हेड विथ एन एक्शन इन पुटिंग इन अदर वर्ड्स वॉट यू कॉल आचार धर्मा इज वॉट यू हैव डिराइव फ्रॉम दैट आत्मधर्मा एंड सो दैट डिपेंड्स ऑन हाउ गुड यू आर एट डिराइविंग करेक्ट एंड दैट एबिलिटी टू डिराइव फ्रॉम आत्मधर्मा इम्प्रूव्स when you go through this process of purification and when we are in touch with our conscience right and that is where bhakti comes in sadhana comes in seva comes in because all these help us to purify ourselves and get closer in touch with our conscience and it also helps us to do our dharma in the way that it has to be done without having any dharma sankat or confusion or clash between dharmas because swami says there is never a clash between dharmas <laughs> dharma is very clear dharma is only one it always will be done it is only misunderstanding of dharma that leads to clashes you know i'm reminded of a very beautiful anecdote which happened once somebody asked mahatma gandhi hmm. they said you always say that i derive all my inspiration from the bhagavad gita hmm. okay but when the bhagavad gita was given to arjuna at the end of that discourse he did not sit in satyagraha correct he did he, not sit in non violence right ah. he picked up his gandiva and went for the war ah. and you are saying all your inspiration comes from the bhagavad gita and you sit and say non violence satyagraha non cooperation movement hmm he said how can you derive this from that scripture hmm and mahatma gandhi gave a very beautiful answer he said this decision did not come from bhagavad gita this decision came from within after bhagavad gita was internalized hmm so you know it's a very very important message because you might even be doing a mistake if you just follow swami if you just look at swami and follow him blindly what has to be followed is when you internalize swami and that swami inspires you to do an action that is the most dharmic action which you do correct and that is why prem we see that the achara dharmas are changing according to desha kala and parasthiti and why do they change because they always have to be in agreement with the atma dharma and that is why they change you know when we write a mathematical equation also when something on one side of the equation has to be kept constant on the other side there are multiple factors which are changing there has to be one thing that is also changing so that this constant remains constant so for atma dharma to be permanent when time space and circumstances are changing you need the achara dharma also to be changing along with the time space and circumstances so that atma dharma remains constant and that is putting dharma mathematically in other words anything which you do with the idea that we are all one and moving towards that understanding as much as possible that which takes you towards that is the true dharma and that is why we see so many derivations where they say that for the sake of a family an individual can be sacrificed right. for the sake of a country a family can be sacrificed for the sake of a world a country can be sacrificed again you know there is a scope of misunderstanding and reading this in the wrong context because this too is an achara dharma but all these are derived from the atma dharma that all are one you know it is similar to saying that if a finger has gangrene that finger can be amputated for the wellness of the whole body absolutely because you are always looking at the whole body you know it is very important as always in the spiritual pursuit for us to be honest and true to ourselves and pray to swami so that we understand it better 
and we are able to put this into practice in our lives because this dharma is so fantastic in fact swami says the whole of the bhagavad gita is about this he says the first word dharma kshetre kurukshetre the first word is dharma and the last shloka goes as yatra yogeshwara krishna yatra partho dhanurdara tatra shri vijaya dhruva nitir bhutir matir mama swami says take the last word take the first word this sums up what the entire gita is about and that is mama dharma mama dharma is atma dharma and when before we close i want to make a reference to that incident which you started with oh, yeah. with your presentation on dharma in front of swami okay a very interesting thing happened and you know after that whole presentation ha huh? one of the devotees had a message from swami from within you know okay. in his meditation where swami told him that you know the boys made a very nice presentation but they missed out on very important sentence which i say about dharma oh okay and which we were almost about to miss out <laughs> even in this satsang and maybe this can actually make it clear why atma dharma is important because swami said they didn't mention the statement satyam nasti paro dharma there is no dharma greater than satyam wow and if we go by the definition of satyam which we managed to give the last week satyam is that belief that you are not this body which is ephemeral but you are that atma which is one with everybody else that is a satyam and the one dharma which actually overrides all other dharma is that satya dharma as you said so satyam and it is that satya dharma, dharma that has given birth to all other dharmas so the spirit has to be maintained as long as the achara dharma comes in but to the world we have to stick to is the atma dharma or the satya dharma yes i think prem it was a real wonderful satsang with swami and with all our listeners all around the world dear listeners if you have anything to add anything to suggest you are always welcome to do so as always you can write to us at listener@radioside.org this satsang is not complete for we have finished two pillars that is satya and dharma two more pillars remain which is shanti and prema Sai Ram you just heard an episode of a radio series afternoon satsang this is a live discussion between radio sai's prem and arvind on different spiritual topics and today's episode was first featured as part of radio sai's thursday live at 12:30 pm on august 8th 2013 you can mail us your comments and feedback to listener@radiosai.org Thank you and Sai Ram from Prashant Nilayam.